0: So, this evening, welcome to podcast 29 of hoarding stuff or hoarding stuff, depending on what end of that um, sentence you might be. And today we're going to have a look at emotional health because it's emotional health day soon. Um, But we're looking at emotional health through the lens of um, how it can help you if you have issues with hoarding because obviously that's what our podcasts are all about. And so today obviously I'm joined by Dave as ever. Um yes.
1: yeah, he's here. I am here. I, I am here. I am present.
0: Good. And he's got a fancy mic as well, but yeah. 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 I'm sure <laughs> and he'll pop talk about tree.
1: it. If I he can, sounds I a can, bit
0: odd, it's because he's moved because he's I, not allowed. I
1: can say things like Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled pepper with no problems at all there's no popping at all I can just right. say it
0: that's excellent as long as you don't move too far away from the market. No,
1: that's right yeah
0: but that's we're also joined by Paul who has been a long-standing member of the support group that I am part of and mm. um, has is always a very generous with his time and his his thinking so i thought i'd invite him to join us today to have a little look at emotional health and so emotional health is divided sorry say hi paul how, how
1: long hi, paul. how long paul have you been been going to the group now
2: got pre-covid oh, quite no, a lot pre-COVID well, as well, wasn't yeah, it? let's let's guesstimate for maybe just a bit of something over four years okay. and I'm still here. Wow. wow. Yeah. And am I still a hoarder? Yeah, to an extent, to an extent, certainly much improved, but, uh, part of all this for me is I'm still learning. I'm still finding new way to do new ways to do things. It provokes me into new thinking. And part of it is the, the urge to pay back.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Well, that's a nice sentiment. That's a good. Yeah. One. Um, yeah. So the emotional health apparently is divided into four sections. So I thought we'd have a little look at those sections. So the first one is self-acceptance. So have either of you come across self-acceptance? Have you, do you feel
1: that you? I I have, and I I, I always feel quite uncomfortable with self-acceptance. Really, I I find it a bit sort of very fairy. It's a bit like self compassion, isn't it? It's, it's like oh, uh, I don't know. You mean it's a bit of a
0: like a a buzzword? Do you think self acceptance? I don't know if it.
1: Yeah, I think it's just uh, uh, it's really tricky um, being a man of a certain age, <laughs> which I am now, apparently. A man of a certain...
2: Sorry, Paul. Whatever that means, I've never figured it out.
1: Oh, it's somebody that's older, right? So I'm 55 now. Right. So after you get to a certain point, that's you apparently on the scrappy. That's, that's what they mean by it. Uh, It seems to be happening younger now as well, (laughs) because people are getting desperately kind of like fear of missing out at the age of 30. They they feel that they're, they're too old at the age of 30, but what about self-acceptance with yourself, Paul? Do you, do you manage to do that? Okay. Or do you struggle
2: with it? No, I don't think I do, um, in exactly the same way as I don't really struggle with self-compassion. Um, mm. We put ourselves through a um, couple of sessions, Went through, um, set ourselves the exercise of basically any time you, you self-deprecated um, the rest of the group threw tomatoes at you, metaphorically speaking.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: And it, it's something I've put myself through on a number of occasions and it's helped. Um, your comments about of a certain age well I've got 15 mm. I've got 15 years of you on you. Um, oh, you look good.
1: I you can't see you but you do look good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um yeah, too much time down the gym, that's another story. Oh, wow.
1: um, right,
2: but yeah, you know, I've, I've just got myself distracted. Um,
0: well, what but while you while you're thinking that, about self-compassion, what I was going to say, yeah, not, on. On. not to move on. It's just, oh, right. I, okay. think, I think self-acceptance, certainly for you, Paul, and for everybody that joins the group, is already in place because without accepting that you might need some help you wouldn't join a group would you so i think it's sort of implicit um in the people that we have in the group that they have Mm. accepted that they need help and i think that's certainly a a big part of self-acceptance in these circumstances what do you think
1: i always think that self-acceptance is a broader thing you know so seeking help you say it is self-acceptance to a certain point but there's other bits and pieces that you have to still wrestle with to be able to get proper self-acceptance of of um you know coming to terms of of being somebody who hoards i think there's quite a few people who obviously if you're coming for help you've you've accepted that but there's a lot of people who haven't accepted that They, they don't see a problem at all you know yeah and there'll be times when i go yeah what's it got to do with anybody else it's not their problem it's not their stuff hey keep their noses out go on off with you
2: (laughs) no i I i'm not sure if this is allowed i really find myself thinking no um Mm -hmm the reason that i joined the group when i became of aware of the fact that i was hoarding and i didn't like it was not self-acceptance but self-rejection that i was actually looking at myself and determining that a part of myself was unhealthy that i wanted to uh, to modify it that i was struggling to modify it um let's take a much simpler example of dieting mm, you know you okay. start by recognizing that you are overweight which i am about 20 kilos um then you and be, but first of all you've got the acceptance of that fact but then you've got the rejection of is that healthy and doing right. something about it um is surely a level of self-rejection a recognition of a need to change and recognizing a need to change is the opposite of self-acceptance I would actually be quite concerned with I don't see it that way I think
0: think you've got to for me self-acceptance is that I've accepted that I have an issue and so because to me self-rejection would be um, you're you're useless. What's the point of trying to do anything? That would be rejecting yourself. In right. my in my in my view, that's because that's what we're talking about, isn't it? But that's the good and interesting thing because we all have different views, and so that's really what the podcast is about, isn't it? Talking about different people's views. So
1: can you accept the fact that you have an issue and a challenge? And by accepting you have an issue and a challenge, you're not really rejecting that part of yourself. You're just adapting it, maybe? Would that, would that be a fair thing to say, do you think?
2: Yeah, it would for me. I I welcome the awareness. Mm. But the awareness is a critical one. It is an awareness of wrongness and the need to change. Now, Mm. that change might not be in the direction that I would initially expect. As I said, I'm about 20 kilos. When I started going to the gym, I said I wanted to lose 25 kilos and 25 years. I failed with both.
0: Maybe well, that was a slightly high
1: target then. I think the twenty-five years is a tricky one because time <laughs> tends to keep going forward. But well, unless today, you go to a
0: time-traveling gym, and then you're yeah,
1: to today, well,
2: prepared to compromise on that one. But happened right. But okay, put the weight one aside. That's humorous, and I apologise for my sense of humour. Yeah. I do about half an hour intervals. Um, But as far as the weight goes, I haven't lost a damn thing. But my centre of mass has moved north. You know, I've now put—I probably lost two to three inches round the waist, put mm. on two or three inches round the chest and the shoulders. Um, I'm fitter, stronger, healthier, but my weight is the same.
0: Yes, but isn't this? I mean, I'm almost allergic to the gym, so I don't really know these yeah. facts. Muscle, but I have muscle. heard that muscle weighs a lot more than fat. Yeah. No, so it's not, it's have you put that into your calculation of how much you've lost?
2: Muscle is a lot denser than fat, not yeah. d- it doesn't weigh more. It's, it, you know, it's back to which weighs more, a pound of feathers or a pound of lead?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: You know, lead, lead takes less space. But you're probably healthier, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. And your waist I mean,
0: is smaller, which is good. And if, yeah. you're, if your chest and shoulders are bigger, that's because you're building muscle.
2: Absolutely. So, so that's my good. aim of losing 25 kilos, total failure. But I'm quite content with the fact that my weight has stayed the same, but I am fitter and healthier. Yeah. Um
1: oh, interesting, right? I'm gonna try a clever transition. May not work, right? <laughs> there well, we go. Try. I'm gonna try for hear, it. Can't I'm gonna try for a clever transition now right so stuff do you feel that the stuff has a certain amount of weight on your life yes and do you draw a parallel between trying to lose the physical weight and the <laughs> i can't think of the stuffy weight the stuffy weight i can't think of any other way of saying it the stuffy weight do you feel that no.
2: I don't know. I just, with um, my body shape, mm-hmm. with my body weight, there is a long gap between okay. um, cause and effect. Right. Um, I can, it, technically, in order to lose one kilogram, I need yeah. to burn 9,900 calories more than I consume. Okay. And that is not easy. And right. I'm not very good at it. So let say there is this long gap between action and reaction, whereas with stuff, with yeah. the hoarding, it is instantaneous whether I notice it or not. Ah. When it comes to discarding, if I drop something in the bin yep. or in the charity shop, mm-hmm. it is gone. Mm. You know, there is cause, there is effect. It is gone. Um, it is less apparent when it comes to acquisition because acquisition aspect um, of building, one doesn't notice it, it until a few days later, and you think, oh, shit, I've got uh, six pairs of trainers, which I'm sorting out at the moment. Well, it's actually five, but that's by the by. Um, well, you've obviously sorted one pair already. And that's pretty. the one you just threw <laughs> behind you. <would>, <laughs> that was half a pair, and I had stuck one pair on eBay as well.
0: Right. Um,
2: well, so, yeah, you know, I'm not actually that's a path i don't want to walk down particularly when i'm not wearing trainers but yeah i'd say that the acquisition and retention aspects of hoarding and stuff are very different to um physical weight right right um, I,
0: I think acquisition is one of those sneakies isn't it because acquisition can trick you massively into your brain or go oh look a pair of trainers there and you and it's your size and you struggle finding trainers that are your size and so and that's a really good price so maybe you should get more than one pair because you struggle finding them and that and and then that sneaks in before perhaps you've checked how many actual pairs of trainers you might have bought in another session that are hidden in the corner for example and so I think acquisition is where our our minds can trick stronger almost mm. than letting go, because the letting go will have the same or a oh, similar story. No. But acquisition, there's a lot of gateways to letting things in that make sense, that are stories that we know and we've told ourselves before. And so, um, but if you tell them to the next person, they also know that story and that reason. And so, why would you notice that it was something? Well, it would be interesting
1: interesting to to know how Paul ended up with the five pairs of trainers. Go on then. How did that
2: that happen? Uh, Well, actually, I left them in a cupboard and they started breeding. (laughs) That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. No, I've got no particular problem with, hang on a second, one, I've now got four good pairs of trainers which Mm. I use for the gym. Um, I'm not particularly concerned about that number. I wouldn't want it to increase any further, Uh, say, and when I bought the last pair, which was only this week, I put another pair on eBay. Um, If they don't sell, I will reduce the price of them. They are gone. Emotionally, they have been discarded, even Mm. though they're physically still in my possession. Um, But for push and pull mental health reasons going to the gym is critical it gives me an escape from an intolerable situation in which i'm Mm. currently living um i'm having to function as a carer for my father who is just pushing 100. Um, wow but and my mother at 94 is struggling to manage by herself
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, But when, you you know, it would be interesting enough doing that with two people of that generation generally. But when you are doing it with your parents, you know, the inner child is getting dragged out of you at uh, extremely regular intervals. And I can't afford to let the inner child out when it's dealing with my parents. Mm. Yeah, um, that's, that's
0: that's difficult isn't it so well let's have a look at um because yeah. also for anybody who doesn't know paul is his home is not where he's looking after his parents and so
1: oh so it's a separate a big place. distance yeah. yeah there's a yeah. distance
0: between where he lives a big distance not just a nip up the road oh, so he's also sort of, you've been virtually living with your mum and dad haven't you since the pandemic and yeah, just coming back when it when is put when is possible so that makes it even harder because Mm. it's a sort of temporary lifestyle which is which is always very difficult to handle when you don't know how long temporary is um but let's have a look at number two then self-esteem so is this another hairy fairy one David for you is this another yes
1: (laughs) yeah I'm afraid it is It's it's a strange sort of like uh get over yourself Thing you know, you yeah, um, I think it's because um, a lot of people have that upbringing, don't they? Of uh, yeah, you're not all that, you know,
0: Yeah. don't, I think it's looked, I think people very often misconstrue self esteem with arrogance
1: and ego, and, yeah, and yeah. ego, yeah, yeah and yeah. it's
0: like, oh, well, he's full of himself, isn't he? Yeah. And that's not looked on kindly, but then. The opposite is also not looked on as in people don't look on themselves kindly, even though they don't want to be like the purported arrogant person. So you're stuck between a rock and a hard place and still not quite knowing. And I think self-esteem is more for me, my my sort of version of self-esteem is self-confidence is feeling confident in circumstances and situations where you don't feel that you don't deserve to be where you are.
1: Right. What do you feel about that, Paul?
2: I'm thinking of a friend who is into, I was going to say self-deprecation in spades, but as she's black, that's probably totally politically incorrect. Um, But I suddenly realised four or five weeks ago that she was almost certainly dyslexic. Um, right. We had always been told and accepted that she is stupid. And yet her grasp of concepts of new ideas and mm-hmm. the spirit which she was able to introduce change into her life was, this woman isn't stupid. No. And then once the you know, the two sides of the equation came back, came together. Is she dyslexic? She checked it out online, went, put herself through a few tests, came out to the answer that she almost certainly is dyslexic. And she, I've been watching her rewriting herself, mm, and yeah. a theme which has been crawling along the floor and, it, and frequently diving into wormholes. Um, Can I she, ask how well, old she is? Um, yeah, she's a mere spring chicken of 56. Oh.
1: Well, you
2: see, I
1: think that it's really difficult because after a period of time, if you've not been diagnosed earlier, yep. you've gone through that whole period of time when people are going, she's stupid, she's stupid. Yep. And that repetition of a message, that must be horrible, horrendous. Um going through your head. So no no, you're wrong, you're wrong.
2: She accepted it as normal and right. All right, Yeah, but that means but that, it's still not uh,
0: a nice place to be, you no. know, it's not somewhere it's you would choose to put your hand
1: up. Oh, it's but normal. being being called stupid means that you feel that you are stupid when you're not. Yep. So you there was a program yesterday about autism. And oh, I've recorded people, it. I haven't watched it um, yet. Is it good? All right. Yes, with um, thingy the, oh, what's his name, Chris, Chris Packham.
0: Packham, Chris Packham. Yeah,
1: and he was saying he the part of it was about somebody who's in their twenties. So the son of Ken Bruce, who's nonverbal, in his twenties. And a lot of people that are nonverbal are treated as if there's there's nothing going on. They're stupid. Mm-hmm. and he manages to communicate through a very torturous process to show that he's not stupid at all he's actually quite profound in his thinking but what it does is when you've had it for so long it disables you a little bit you know mm-hmm. because That's you're brilliant. you're you're taking on this this image that other people have projected onto you so self esteem becomes quite difficult to 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 keep
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I've, I mean, I've got a good example of this. A lady, one of my neighbors, mm. she was told that she was stupid all her life because her spelling was really poor and she couldn't read, you know, dyslexia. And she got a diagnosis of dyslexia when she was about 55, I think, Dave. So, yeah. age, you know, things happen. Don't give up. But, yeah. um, as soon as she got this diagnosed, you know, th- th- and, and she said, so it's not my fault that I can't spell. And they went, no, not at all. You just haven't been given any help. Um, and they, I think somebody said to her, oh, but if you want to do any learning, you just need to tell people this fact now and they will help you, you know, people will know what to. So she went, right, I want to I want to do what I've always wanted to do. I always wanted to be a hairdresser. And she well, did, yeah. at the age of 55, went to the local college, signed up for a course, learned to be a hairdresser, told them she was dyslexic. They helped her with the things that she needed to do that needed reading and writing. And ever since, she's practised as a hairdresser. She's nearly, she's mid-70s now. But she had 20 more, no, older than I think, but she had 20 years of doing what she should have done in her 20s had she not felt that she was too stupid to go for any job other than a very basic factory job, which is what she did. Um, yeah for all those years so uh, sometimes and this is where this is a a, you know this is another tangent really to but it is tied in with self-esteem it is tied in with you know um dealing with your own dealing with your life and believing that you haven't got as much as you really have um but this is to do is also learning things about yourself which sometimes can be called titles or you know labels and so I've I've always got an ambivalence about I agree that people don't want to have labels and titles but sometimes knowing those things frees people up as Paul's just described the lady he's talking about as Mm. the lady I know you know it really did change her life knowing that and it's just a shame that you know nobody thought to to look that or do, because the tests weren't really around when she was a child. And so, mm. so That's yes. why I
1: was asking about age, because now there's more chance of you being diagnosed earlier yeah. than there was in the past. And I think my mum was dyslexic,
0: Quite um, possibly.
1: you know, and she, she, what did she die two years ago? And she would have been 74 now. I don't think people will keep an eye on that sort of thing. Yeah. No um what about your your own self-esteem paul do you do you manage it okay do you uh
2: sixty four thousand dollar question um, yeah i'll answer that for myself at the same time as i'm answering for this woman right. um and stick in another concept which i think is absolutely critical in this and that is uh self-stigmatization yes now yeah. When I accepted the fact that I was a hoarder, I simultaneously rejected the fact that, you know, I didn't want to be a hoarder. Mm -hmm. Um, I struggle with depression. Um, And it wasn't until I realized that the continual message I I was receiving from the ologists and the iatrists, and Mm -hmm. that is what happens here stays here. It's secret, it's private, it's between us. And suddenly I realized that accepting that message meant that I was also accepting the shame, the wrongness of having a mental health issue. Mm, And now it's a case of fuck it. You know, if I could get a T shirt, um, yeah, big D nuts. Would be perfect as far as i'm concerned um I, I where i work out um i'm quite happy to talk about the fact that i struggle with depression and all and i get the same thing back
1: yeah yeah
2: um, the friend i was talking about she has internalized the you are stupid to such an extent that she really str- is struggling to rewrite herself she she won't go out and train herself as a hairdresser she is doing new things mm. but she is pushing things uphill now i am moving away from going uphill I'm pretty much on a level playing field now there's still a fair amount of friction because I am still depressed but I'm finding mechanisms to manage my depression largely because I have managed to address the self-stigmatization attached to it I'm waffling on too much
1: not at all I mean I I, I, I found it I found it. It is waffly. It's waffly, and if people don't like it, they'll, they'll probably—I don't know what they'll do. They can but, waffle, <laughs> off. Well, waffle <laughs> off. um yeah, The the part that was quite interesting there, because I'd never really, th- really thought about the ologist and iatrist, as he said, is that it sounds like the confessional, doesn't it? You go along to a priest and yeah. you 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 tell them all your sins, and I mean I mean mental health issue is obviously not a sin. Right. Although maybe some people think it is, but it's not. Um, so your psychologists and the psychiatrists come across as being sort of religious figures, in a sense. Oh, right. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Because they're the experts and, and they dole out their medicines and and they're... Well, I, they're... I, I, had a, I had a psychologist who said to me, that being in the same room with me, he felt threatened, he felt disempowered, <laughs> de-skilled. It's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, what have I done? What what,
0: what, what power, you? Dave, though? You must have walked out there feeling like um Superman. If you No, not really. I felt really bad. Me. I
1: felt I felt really guilty. And I don't know.
0: He was obviously having a very bad day, wasn't he?
1: Um, yeah. Thought,
0: that wasn't even a professional thing to say.
1: Not really. <laughs> And it was this business about, that? so they did deep breathing and imaginary butterflies, releasing imaginary butterflies, which was essentially like going back to drama school all over again. It's like, oh no, what is this nonsense that he's doing? But um, did you, are you still seeing a psychologist or a psychiatrist, Paul?
2: No. 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 They determined that I am uh, th- what i have is now been relabeled from depression into treatment resistant depression all right um, which gives them the get out of jail free card um, so i have been thrown very much on my own resources plus medication
1: um, what have you found that with your resources what have you is there anything that you would say has had a positive impact
0: well, let okay. me before before right. he does that, I want to let's say go, it, no, this let's... is resilience. So yeah. and I've just I've just looked up the definition of resilience because I think I see people look a bit confused whenever you say resilience because it means different things to different people. It's not necessarily self-evident, but the, the psychological side of resilience is the process and outcome of successfully adapting to difficult or challenging life experiences, especially through mental emotional and behavioural flexibility and yep. adjustment to external and internal demands. So that's why I popped wow. that because that is exactly Blimey. what about to talk about, isn't it? Is it? How did you manage this when given these difficult circumstances? So you must have resilience, otherwise you wouldn't mm. be here talking to us about it tonight, would you? Do you
1: know my definition of resilience? Is, is- it
0: another word that you reject, Dave?
1: No, it isn't. No, it's, like it's it. a mental memory foam mattress. Oh, right. right. So the original shape is there, and then you get hit by challenges. But the resilience is that you bounce back like a memory foam mattress. Right. I see. Now that's
0: right? nice. I like that. That's lovely.
2: Yeah. 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 And I disagree with it 100%. Oh, no. Yeah, but that's- but-
0: Cool.
2: Oh, that's your job. That. That's what <laughs> you do. <laughs> Quite because I think you've omitted an absolutely critical factor, and that's time.
1: Okay. Right. Time. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, let me give time.
2: you an example You know, let's. You know, think about uh, the hierarchy of needs. What's your favorite fruit? Great. What's your favorite fruit? Great. What's if, for fuck's sake, how many grapes do I have to eat? I want something different.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now, my resilience. Short-term is lousy. I fall apart. Mm. Mm. But I don't stay Fall the p- fell apart. You know, How is
1: it long-term?
2: My long-term, I adapt and I recover. Long-term, I have astonished myself by my mm. resilience. Mm. But the mattress that you described, um, I envisaged it as something with pretty powerful springs that you jump on, it's like a trampoline. You bash your head on yeah. the sink. My mattress is more like a bowl of custard with um, a sheet over it. All right. You know, okay. I dive into it and I loop down. Right. And then right. over the next, however long it takes, it sort of resettles and comes back up and pushes me up. And yeah. you know I come back again. Well that is a bit memory foam.
0: because memory foam doesn't have springs, it just has foam. So you've things.
2: got
0: custard, and oh Dave's goodness. got foam. <laughs> I want the custard.
1: I want the custard. You can have the custard if you like. Uh, Paul, you you've you've obviously got a lot on your plate, right? You've oh, yeah. looking after elderly parents and mm-hmm. I don't know what other things are, are going on in your life, but um it was seen to me that that you and I don't know you very well at all but you seem to be capable of adjusting over a period I of time
2: i'm very capable of taking a step back and looking at myself in fact when i was in therapy i quite literally was looking at myself from over mm. my own right shoulder mm-hmm. i could still step outside myself when I'm not in some sort of crisis where my father's mental state is not destroying me. Yeah. Um, and even when it is, my bounce back has improved. Mm. That has partly been as a result of the management techniques that I've developed to manage my depression.
1: Yeah, um,
2: okay. I thought, you know, Heather knows some of these um, I find a massive advantage from feeding the gut, um, you know, with a with a good strong bioculture. Um, mindfulness never really worked very well for me, but I developed an alternative, almost a mirror image of mindfulness, which okay. does work for me. Um, the exercise I typically do probably 15 or 16 hours. Um, intensive exercise a week. Now that's partly to get me out of the here and now. And it's partly because it gives me benefit. Um, So
1: this this self of yours, when it's looking over your shoulder, and you're doing well, okay, what three words would your self looking over your shoulder use to describe you?
0: Nice one,
2: Dave. I like it. Very nice one. Yeah. Aren't I supposed to have notice of questions like that?
1: No. No. I'm sorry. There's there's, no. (laughs) No. No, there is no notice. It's. uh...
2: I'd say the first one would be adaptable. Yeah. Okay. Um, The second one would. I was going to say a good listener, but that's passive. I'm an, no, I'm a good, no, no, not I'm, always, because some people... No, a good one. listener is, is,
0: good <laughs> is listener.
2: exactly that. Um, yeah. The one phrase that I detest above all others is, I don't care what you say, this is what I think.
1: Okay, um, yeah, yeah.
2: And right. I don't think that I will ever take you know go from that mindset i do care what somebody thinks i might disagree with them totally but i will always listen to new information new opinion new evidence so yeah open-minded i okay. suppose is what it comes down to and i can't offer you a third one off the top that's of my okay the two they were have. quite, quite sorry
0: You've said adaptable, a good listener, and open-minded. Those are three. That's
1: true. It's three. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't counting. I'm obviously not a good listener.
0: David, David, what about your three words then?
1: Well, I haven't got somebody that looks over my shoulder and is very nice to me. No, but you've had
2: time to uh, think, uh, it now. Come
1: on. Oh, have I? Um, Well, I think, you know.
2: What I started with was beside oneself with anger. And that Mm. was the -the over-the-shoulder perspective.
1: Right yeah yeah so
0: if you were over your shoulder or a parrot on your shoulder or whatever who would you be who would you be looking at with you
1: i'd be looking at somebody that's not bad at communicating
2: Definitely. and yeah. um you'll have to explain it. A, sense,
1: a sense of the absurd um and also i guess uh, 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 relatively kind Relatively kind uh, in comparison to, to a of the world. Just
0: be kind with a
1: capital K. No, 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 no. It's relatively. It has to be relatively because kind oh, right. is too, too, too much a thing, right? It's too, you know, it's too much can of be mean. is it? I can be mean to people, but I'm yeah. probably not going to be mean. To... I have to I have the license to be mean to people, but I'm probably not going to use it, you know. Oh know.
0: dear. Well, that was great. Well, the fourth one, which managing your strong emotions really tied in with resilience didn't it because we you did describe how you do that but used because you classified that as short-term resilience but really for me short-term resilience isn't isn't a thing resilience is long-term and what you described um Paul is just you reacting to circumstances that might have sideswiped you but then you then you bring in the, the long term resilience um, guns if you like, and no, you know the first thing that you said about you is that you were adaptable, and so that's a good thing to know that that implies flexibility mindedness, and as you said, you listen so I think these are all really good suggestions to people as well as um, you describing yourselves they're things that are very useful for others to consider and Take on and understand because I I feel I've certainly worked with a lot of people and I'll ask I'll often ask them what skills they believe they have and then when they go I haven't got any I'm yeah I'm useless at everything or whatever then I'll say okay well what skills would you like or do you feel you would need if you wanted to address these issues and so they will give me three such as um, organised active and kind. Mm. Or relatively yeah. kind. I do think sort of in summing up it's something that certainly in the group a couple of times people have said well why are we why are we looking at how we think why are we looking at self-compassion why are we looking at um being grateful for things why are we looking at these things that aren't anything to do with the practicalities of letting go of stuff
1: but, but the, the practicalities important. of life.
0: Exactly but and the impracticalities of your head you know, if yeah. your head is in a better place, and also I would add what Paul's talking about, your gut is also in a better place. Yeah. Those are the three centres of learning. You know, you've got your right. head, your heart and your gut, and they all need to be fed and nurtured and the right way. And when you've got those in balance, or at least you're attempting to put them in balance, life is just easier. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not that you've got to. I think a lot of it comes from the self-deprecation um, of "I've got to clear this before I can start thinking, living, enjoying." Uh, we do hear a lot of that. That's not the point. You've, if, the more you can feed those other bits of you, then the happier and easier things will be. Oh, and at that point, David left the building so his his battery died. So we're gonna leave you there. I hope that um, this evening's wafflings have been of some interest to those who enjoy listening to waffle. Um, What would you leave everybody with, Paul, as a a final thought?
2: I'd leave two, if you don't mind. Of course I don't mind. One is a word that doesn't actually exist and bloody well should, and that's pre-action. We talk about reacting to situations. Certainly, I've been aware that one of the problems of my adaptability, particularly dealing with my father, is that I um, preact. is to say, I expect the grief and I react to the grief before it's uttered. And sometimes it isn't even uttered. Um, And the other one I'm going to offer is mudita.
0: Oh, yes, yes. Describe what that means. For Medita,
2: those who don't know. Um, most schadenfreude is, is taking pleasure in other people's pain and dismay. Hmm. Um, Medita is the opposite. Medita is taking pleasure at other people's pleasure.
0: Yes. Um, and and it's, it's, it's a word we use very often in the
2: group, isn't it? Because. Yeah, it's, it's so, I'm. In, I looked. I looked. This. I thought there must be a word for this concept, and eventually, I found it. Introduced it to the group, and it has really taken off. And I think it's been one of the most valuable ideas that I have brought to the group.
0: Um, it has and- definitely because when when you know there's a word for something then funnily enough you chase that something down a bit more so you've got a chance to use the word don't yeah. you so yes yeah, so that's oh that's brilliant well thank you for joining us tonight and uh, thank you to david whose batteries died
2: well i'll just pretend to be david and say goodbye to him
0: <laughs> good night and good night from him <laughs> right then we will see you soon you yeah. hear you. No, you will hear us soon.
2: That's that's tomorrow, how I thank say you tomorrow. all um, right. And
0: thank um, you I'm for joining us.
2: Try and enjoy your evening down the pub. Thank you. Bye.